Well, take your Bibles and we'll go to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. We'll read verses 1 through 24. It's about the time of Daniel when he is um, working for the king, actually working in the king's palace. And um, uh, he had an encounter with some folks that uh, tried to challenge his integrity. Chapter 6, verse 1. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to the government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground or accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by an agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows, King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the perfects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who takes, makes a petition to any god or anyone besides you, o, o king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it will not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked." A little commentary on that. I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah, and he was referring to talking about the Medes and the Persians, and that the um, any time uh, a law was enacted by the king, not even the king could could uh, could uh, prescribe against that. It was it was written literally in stone, um, so it had to be done. Therefore, King Darius, verse nine, King Darius signed the document. That is the injunction. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now on his roof chamber. He had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then he approached and spoke before the king, saying about the king's injunction, Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, That statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then he answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed, set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law, a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. We'll uh, stop there for now. Let's pray first, and then we'll jump into the text. Father, we are so thankful for um, the book of Daniel. Um, not only is a, is a prophetic book that you've set aside to, to, to instruct the church for things that are yet to come, but Father, you've, uh, you've, found, you've uh, preserved the story of Daniel, your servant, and how his integrity was beyond reproach, that not even those men of evil report could uh, find a, a 
a chink in his his personal life, Father. It was it was a it was a pure life. We know, Father, that he was not, he was not a perfect man, but yet he was blameless as he walked before you. Before you. So, Father, I pray that you would um, press on our hearts what it means to be a person of integrity and how we can walk in integrity and what are the rewards of, you, of walking in integrity before you. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do you think of when you first hear the word integrity? I'll let you think about that for a second. Maybe you're thinking of those who are in charge of administration and management over our finances. Maybe you're an investor. Maybe it's a banker. Uh, maybe it's uh, the person who's in charge of your company, the, the accountant, right? And that person is expected to be dependable, a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. Maybe you're thinking about a student's efforts in their education. After all, the students are expected to not cheat. They're expected to pay close attention, uh, follow the directions, of the directives of the teacher, um, do the work on their own, um, and not claim false, falsely somebody else's work. That's plagiarism. In fact, plagiarism doesn't just start and stop in the school place. Plagiarism is even rampant in the professional world. So even with uh, research documents um, or just research reports, for example, uh, you've got to be careful uh, and look for plagiarism, unfortunately. What about a doctor's care of your health? You would expect that your doctor has integrity, making decisions. For I was uh, at my doctor about a year ago and um, having him look at some moles just to make sure I didn't have any worries, but I thought I might as well check it just to make sure. Within 10 seconds, not even 10 seconds, within 5 seconds he could make a pronunciation, now you're, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. So you're, you're fine. And of course, I put 100% faith and trust in that statement. I expect the man to have integrity, and he does. Um, but he can d- d- determine you know, the status of those moles on my, on my skin. As an engineer, I think about a bridge. I want to think about integrity. In fact, a bridge, I would say, is an excellent analogy to our personal integrity. Now think about it for a second. All the structural elements supporting the structure are usually hidden from the driver's vantage point. As the driver is driving over the bridge, typically uh, the truss work is underneath the deck. Um, rarely do you have superstructure above the deck of, the, of a bridge. Typically it's you know, maybe like a suspension type bridge design. Even suspension bridges have uh, the truss work underneath the deck. But that's hidden from the driver's view, and they don't know the integrity of the members of that bridge. In fact, they probably don't even care, frankly, and they they shouldn't have to care. That's the job of a professional to design that bridge. Regular inspection is required to ensure the bridge is in good condition. Another analogy, regular inspection is required to ensure it's in good condition. I mean, after all, things deteriorate over time, uh, things corrode. Um, sometimes through uh, repetitive cycles of materials can fatigue. You know, think of like a, a paper clip, running it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Eventually it kind of gets hot and eventually it breaks. Right? Same with uh, any type of material. Um, fatigue can, can uh, cause it to fail. 
The structure is at the ground level. Um, typically, bridges have a lot of problems with the de uh, deterioration or corrosion uh, where the members actually intersect with the ground because it's wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, and that action um, accelerates the corrosion. So it's a regular inspection is required to ensure the bridge is in good condition. Sometimes inspection can be very, very invasive, very invasive. The uh, Mackinac Bridge uh, in the Upper Peninsula and Lower Peninsula of Michigan, I'm sure mo I know most of you know about that bridge. Um, on a regular basis, the uh, bridge authority has to inspect the main suspension cables that are supporting that bridge. And the main, what I mean by the main suspension cables is that traditional uh, geometric, you know, the, the arching cables that stretch across from one, span, one abutment to the other. And those cables are, I can't remember the exact dimensions, but they're about five, three feet, five feet in diameter or something like that. But they're not just one solid material. It's actually strands, threads of steel cable about the size of uh, about an eighth of an inch in diameter, woven together all the way across. And if you ever saw a picture of them constructing the bridge, it's they back and forth with this wheel, this weaving the wire back and forth, back and forth. Anyway, they have to be able to inspect invasively what is going on in the center of that main suspension cable. And so they'll actually take off a um, containment piece and then drive wedges into the suspension cable itself, drive the wire spans, uh, strands apart, and then the inspectors can actually see inside and determine is there corrosion inside of that cable. And because of the um, rest, and because of most of the critical structural elements are hidden from view, most people never consider a bridge's integrity. Isn't that true? I mean, most people don't care. Again, like I said, it shouldn't be the driver's responsibility to care. But when a single fastener fails, it can often set off an unstoppable chain of reactions that leads instantaneously to disastrous consequences. The date was August 1st, 2007. The location was Minneapolis, Minnesota. The location was on I-35, stretching, spanning across the Mississippi River. It was rush hour. And the bridge spanning the Mississippi River instantaneously and disastrously um, collapsed, killing 13 people and injuring 145 people. And the likely cause of that of disaster was an under-designed under gusset plate. A gusset plate is basically as a piece of metal that, as you have multiple members coming into one joint, you need to fasten those together. And that gusset plate holds them together at one point. Okay? But that gusset plate apparently was too thin. It was too thin for that load. And apparently through time it fatigued and then it failed catastrophically. But think about this. For decades, no one knew the danger just below the deck for decades. And we just went on like normal. Life is normal. Nothing's going to change. Tomorrow's the same as today. The next day after is the same as tomorrow. And it just failed catastrophically. And so it is with our lives. And you probably know, or you can recite someone that you know, who you maybe even known for decades, who suddenly suffered an irreparable damage for their life because of their lapse in integrity. How could we have known or not noticed, or how could we have not known for that matter, before it was too late to stop this? 
How tragic when you hear the news of a marriage being broken because of an affair. A significant sum of money is missing from the church's treasury, or any company for that matter, or a nonprofit, whatever it may be. And heaven forbid, a, a child is molested. I mean, these things are real. These, are, these things happen on a daily basis. Tragedy strikes every day because of a lapse of integrity. A couple things to point out, I'll just a couple observations up to this point. Um, two, two statements. The first statement here is, there is, no, there is such a, let me back up, there is such a casual indifference in our society to integrity. I'll read that again. There is such a casual indifference in our society to integrity. Another observation, our culture and yes, our churches are suffocating from the absence of integrity. I'm not necessarily. I'm not talking about this church, as you know. I mean, I have, um, but I am talking about the the churches in general. I want to make that point clear. The point is, is that we do need people of integrity. We need lots of people of integrity. We don't have enough people of integrity. Integrity literally is like oxygen. We need it. It uh, we suffocate if we don't have it. You know, it's hard. It's heartening to see a man like Daniel be used because of his integrity, to make an unbelieving king, think about this, make an unbelieving king decree that all people fear the Lord God just because of his integrity. I mean, to, to swing the, the leader of the largest empire at that time, to unilaterally say, the Lord is God, away from his pagan um, idolatry, because of one man's integrity. The power of integrity, if that is powerful, the opposite is also powerful of the absence of integrity. So how did he set himself apart? Uh, let's look at chapter 6, verse 4. And the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to the government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or, or evidence of corruption, inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Actually, let's read back verses, verse 3, too. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So I kind of read that in, in backwards. So he set him, uh, himself apart, verse 4. You know, he was, uh, in regards to his faithfulness, there was no negligence, there was no corruption. He was found innocent, and this was a witch hunt by these men. This wasn't a casual, let's ask a couple people and we'll call it good. This was an in-depth, it was an uh, intentional, probably uh, prolonged over, over weeks, if not maybe months, trying to find anything they could about this man so they could wipe him out. Every stone that was overturned bore nothing to be found. No skeletons in his closets or even cobwebs. No past shady business deal that was tucked away, hoping it would never be found. Daniel never, and think about this, Daniel never knew his life was going to be interrogated like that someday. I mean, how could he have known? When he was 15 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, he, he probably wasn't thinking, when I'm this many years old, I'm going to be interrogated like I've never been interrogated before. Therefore, I need to make sure I'm living my life all the way up for that one day. 
I don't think he thought that. He probably just, that was just his normal character. He, he was a man of integrity. It's serious to know that the consequences of a momentary lapse in moral and ethical judgment will likely remain with you for the rest of your life, the side of heaven. So I'll slip over to Psalm 26. Read that real quick. Psalm 26, verse 1 through 7. Pull it up here. <coughs> 26, verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without, without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with the deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of the evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. I mean, I love these words that David was pulling out here. He says, um, he says, makes a statement, I have walked in integrity. And he says to the Lord, not, not man who is blinded, but to the Lord who judges righteously, he says, examine me, test me. These are words of a man of integrity who freely says, you can come and, and take a look at this. A man of integrity can say, here I am, you can examine everything. Here are my bank statements. Take a look. Here's my web browser history. Take a look. Come in my house and look through my drawers. I have nothing to hide. There wasn't one piece of evidence that would support the accusation of corruption in Daniel in the areas of his, profe- in the areas of his professional or personal life. I guarantee you they were looking both at his workplace and his personal life when they were trying to find accusation for him. So when you hear somebody say that it doesn't matter what my personal life is as long as I'm doing my job at work, that is foolishness, it's rubbish. God is very clear. He, he says everything about your life is subject to, to my inspection. Daniel, not Daniel, excuse me, David here, he didn't say, examine me, O Lord, in my kingship. Examine me, test me in my ways of the judgments that I've made since I've been king. No, he's directly on his own self. He says, examine me, everything, everything about me. It's, it's yours, you can inspect it. When I think of uh, select people in my life that I've greatly admired, my heroes, um, they all share a common trait of integrity. I don't think most of us, or many of us, uh, would pick out people purposely who've had a major lapse in, of judgment for integrity. Generally, we follow, we're attracted, we, we want to be like people, we want to emulate people of integrity. Think of those people in your life. Here are some thoughts. Well, before we get there, let's go back to Daniel uh, 26. Or da- Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 26. This is uh, after the lion's den. Uh, of course, God shut the mouths of the lions and could not come upon, come upon Daniel. He per- per- supernaturally preserved Daniel's life. 
And Daniel, of course, well, the king ran down uh, the next morning. He was ultra concerned about the status or the welfare of Daniel. And uh, the king cried out, Daniel, are you okay? And Daniel says, oh, king, live forever. You know, the, the common uh, statement of uh, introduction. And, of course, the king knew that Daniel had been preserved. And then, of course, soon after, Daniel, or, um, the king took the men who accused Daniel, threw them in the lion's den, and it says before they even touched the ground, the lions had come upon them. Anyway, jump back or jump forward here, verse 26. This is the king now, King Darius. I will make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will, live for, will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and, the, and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So you can see that um, how Daniel's uh, character, his life, had transformed the way the king thought about who God was. A few thoughts I had about um, about integrity. You know, there's there's definitely a reward for integrity. This and I just threw down some thoughts. This is by no means to be exhaustive, but uh, it is some thoughts about the benefits, the rewards of if as we live lives of integrity. Um, what are the outcomes? First, you can have a clear conscience. Um, it's a torturous living with a guilty conscience, as, uh, as you know, especially even when you're a little kid growing up, you did something that you know was wrong. Maybe you took one of your friend's toys or something like that, and of course you're just uh, punished in guilt for, for a few days or something. But anyway, living with a guilty conscience is, is really a suffering uh, thing to deal with. It's rewarding to be able to walk into a work appraisal, for example, at your workplace and say, I have a clear conscience. I know that what I've done over this past year, ask me questions, right? Um, one interesting side note is uh, I've looked on my employer's um, appraisal sheet. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I've noticed uh, it has a bunch of character traits, I think 10 of them. All nine of them, you get to have a freebie at the end of it. And, of course, I use the freebie when I'm evaluating my employees. Um, but uh, none of them have the word integrity. Communication is one. Okay, yeah, it's important. You better communicate with each other. Timeliness. Okay, yeah, they showed up to work. Obeying orders. Okay. Um, do they have the skills for the job? Okay, okay. And all these housekeeping things that we care about, of course. We don't. Obviously, those are important. But uh, when it comes to the person's attitude, their personality, their, but personality is so much, but the person's character, what I'm trying to drill down to, silence. And I always thought, well, isn't that kind of odd that uh, we wouldn't care about that, but we care about the, the, the shallow things? Um, anyway, just a commentary on my part. Number two, after you have a clear conscience, another reward or benefit for walking in integrity is God places you in positions of higher authority and more responsibility. Um, I do believe that to be true. Obviously, it was for Daniel. You know, the man um, was obviously identified 
um, through the government of that time that this is a man that you can trust. This is a man that we can put him put in a higher th- authority position. And there was a day that he didn't work in the kingdom. There was a day that he wasn't in the office on a regular day. And excuse me, somebody saw that. Somebody had said, made a recommendation. We should hire this Daniel. We should bring this Daniel into our office, and he can work here. But before you know it, um, living in a life of integrity, um, all of a sudden, one day you find up, you wake up, and you're somebody's mentor. You know, it just naturally happens that way. I think um, God is uh, very um, interested in those who want to walk purposely in in a path of integrity. And yeah, I think he rewards them that way. Um, People might ask, what's different about you? Why why are you uh, walking like this? I mean, you don't... Um, cut corners like the rest of us. You don't uh, uh, have a shallow way of thinking about the customer. You, you, you're different, right? Another, another op- uh, observation about the rewards is uh, you enjoy success in your life. And I want to preface that by saying this is not the prosperity gospel. Um, but I do believe that there is a relationship between your integrity and your life's success. Um, I'll just look at uh, verse 28. So Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Even go back to Joseph, you know, way before this, uh, in Potiphar's house, how um, he was found to be a man of integrity and, and ended up being, through various trials, of course, but then he ended up being exalted into the, the kingdom of, of Egypt, working underneath Pharaoh. I mean, Joseph was a man of integrity, and of course God rewarded that with success. Not, and don't get me wrong, it's not that you, you walk this way so that you can have success. You walk this way to please God, to honor God, to bring glory to him. But just incidentally, God provides you with this type of uh, benefit, with this type of reward. Um, so yes, God, I, I believe God honors and blesses a life of integrity. Um, you will finish your life well and leave a great legacy. I mean, if you were to ask yourself, uh, what would be your legacy? If you were to pass away tonight or this year, what would you want people to have a legacy about you be? What would that look like? Um, I'll put it this way. It's a lot easier and a lot more attractive to walk in the footsteps of somebody who's passed on who's walked in a path of integrity. Um, 2 Timothy 4.7, you don't need to turn there, but I'll just go there real quickly. 2 Timothy, of course, it's Paul's uh, last letter, and uh, he's talking about a soon-coming departure from this earth. And um, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 2 Timothy says, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me, award to me, rather, on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. One verse back from that, actually. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. So here's Paul at the end of his life, able to write these words to Timothy, one of probably his closest um, Assistance, you know, in in the furtherance of the gospel, um, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, you know, I've I've done it to the best of my ability. I have no regrets. I have no regrets, Timothy. I've fought the fight. 
I have kept the faith, and I've finished the course. You know, Paul obviously is inferring here by finishing the course, the course of your life. You didn't deviate. Um, I mean, obviously everybody's a sinner, but Paul didn't you know drastically just fall off the course of some cataclysmic, uh, dumb decision, morally or, or ethically. He, he finished the course, and by that it infers he stayed on the course. And of course he kept the faith. So if you were to ask yourself, what would you want to have written in an epitaph on your tombstone um, when it comes to your life? Thinking about the uh, legacy that we leave behind. You know, we desperately need men, women, boys, and girls of integrity um, that's true for any any place, especially a church. But uh, even in our workplaces, encouraging a life of integrity. You know, it's so easy to uh, be tr- be pulled into the uh, um, the uh, the workings of your workplace. That's why I guess the best way I can put it. You're, you're, this is kind of the, the group mentality. This is where we're going. This is the direction we're going. Even maybe it's not necessarily wrong, but um, it's so easy to just kind of be pulled into that. And that's where the, I think the rubber meets the road is uh, in our workplaces is uh, are we walking in integrity? I mean, are we... And that means being willing to say, I can't cross that line that you're asking me to do. You know, I can't put myself in that position um, for that reason. Um, anyway, it's, it can be pretty tough uh, to, to make that stand. Now, just a few closing thoughts about integrity. When you are called to a ministry, uh, you know, be, we, we, need to, we need to be faithful to that ministry. When uh, you, you say that you're going to do something, you know, honor your word, and we need to follow through with that. When no one is watching us, we need to be the same person when people are watching. When people are watching us. Um, in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about um, our willingness to examine ourselves. And he commands the Corinthians to examine themselves. He says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. And, or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless, is, unless indeed you fail the test? So Paul is emphasizing that you, know, you uh, don't assume that you're going to escape or not escape, that's not where we're going to put it. Don't assume that you're going to leave this life um, without the challenges that are faced with integrity. Excuse me. Man, I got a bad itch. Um, but we need to be, on a, I think, on a regular basis. We need to be coming before the Lord and asking him to examine us, just like David did. And what areas am I blind to that I need to make improvements? Um, what, how... How can I be more like Christ? How, what, um, challenge me, Lord. Father, tell me. Make it plain to me areas that I need to, to, to grow in. You know, uh, a message like this is, uh, can be sometimes hard to talk about. You know, the, the whole concept of integrity is a very personal uh, thing. It isn't a uh, generic thing necessarily, and I tried to keep it as generic as possible. So, to give you encouragement, I'm not, you know, obviously the, 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 you know, God's word sets out a very clear 
target that we need to be in pursuit of when it comes to our integrity. And uh, and obviously, you know, we make we make uh, lapses um, because we are still in this sinful condition yet. This this working you know, struggling with the flesh, but uh, but we need to be. Um, our pursuit is towards uh, Christ-likeness. We will never arrive at Christ-likeness in this lifetime. We, we know that. But our pursuit needs to be towards Christ-likeness. Um, and I, I do think and I believe that God will honor that pursuit. And uh, he will give us the encouragement. He will give us the strength to overcome whatever the obstacles are in our way of, of potentially upsetting our personal integrity. I've, don't have the quote with me, and, and I wish I did, but I should have looked it up. But I think it was Abraham Lincoln, I'm paraphrasing, something to the effect of, it takes a lifetime to build integrity and a moment to lose it. You know, And uh, it's coming from Abraham Lincoln, who, and I think when he said that, I don't know if he was saved yet or not, but um, on a side note, I think Abraham Lincoln actually w- was saved about 1863. Just a little bit of historian piece of information for you, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, even a man of Abraham Lincoln's stature uh, recognized that, man, you can work your entire life of being careful, succinct in how you, how you walk, and it can just be over your integrity in a second. You know, going back to the analogy of the bridge, it's important. You know, I think about those few, first few things about bridges, um, how the structural components upholding, are holding up that bridge are generally hidden from view. I mean, in our life, most people don't see the inner workings of our mind, and nor should they. You know, it's not, that's, that's a personal thing. That's between you and the Lord. But the same way in the bridge, most people, most drivers don't ever see you know, the structural members of the, holding up that bridge. A bridge requires regular inspection. Same for us. You know, we need regular inspection on our, you know, we're asking the Lord to inspect our hearts. You know, where am I uh, falling short here that I need to address? Sometimes inspection can be very invasive. Remember the example of the Mackinac Bridge. Sometimes it might hurt. And uh, I hope none of us have to go through that. And I hope my prayers, none of us will ever have to go through that in our lifetime. Um, but uh, you know, if, if it does happen, well, we need to be submissive to the Lord and recognize, hey, um, he is, this inspection is going to prevent a catastrophe from happening. This invasive inspection is going to prevent a catastrophe from happening. So I would much rather, in the scale of things, uh, be invasively inspected by the Lord or my fellow believers than to have something catastrophically happen, like a failure that once it... Because think about it, that bridge in uh, Minneapolis, once that gusset plate failed, there was no going back. This, the uh, chain of events had been determined and there is nothing stopping it. There was no force, there was no thing that we could have done to stop what was going to happen within seconds. You know, and um, once it happened, that was it. You know, there's no going back. So we need to ask the Lord for um, inspection. And, um, and because uh, most, of our, most of our inner, inner our things in our heart and our mind are hidden from view, and we need to be... Uh, be uh, be aware that you know it's easy for Satan to, to to try to attack us. You know he is like a roaring, a roaring lion walking about who he can capture, who he can come after, trying to find a weakness to come after us. So, so my prayer is that uh, we would be men, <coughs> excuse me, and women, and boys and girls of integrity, and 
hope that's an encouragement to you tonight and uh, thinking about how God is faithful. Um, Paul himself said that I'm uh, confident that you will grow and grow to be more like Christ. Um, and uh, if, if we submit ourselves to the Lord, to his, to his Holy Spirit, I, I know confidently that he will do that. And uh, we need to just be on a regular basis asking him to, to make us more into the image of Christ so that we can glorify not only himself locally, but who knows, just like uh, Daniel, it could all of a sudden just swing the tide of events um, in the world scene just because of a, a man of integrity. So let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for, again, for Daniel and how um, he didn't waver, Father, and he can has been preserved for us as an example that we can use to be a hero of integrity for us today. And so, Father, I pray that we would all be heroes of integrity. And, we, Father, we know that we are not perfect. We've all um, fallen short of, of, your, of your law. We've all shown, fallen short of your standards. So, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for those things. Um, we want to be completely open and honest and authentic with you, Father. We don't want to be fake. We don't want to be um, uh, pretending. Um, we want to be open and completely authentic with you, Father. And so I ask, Father, that we would all be, again, men, women, boys and girls of integrity, that we would glorify you in this local church and this region, this community, and then maybe even if, uh, if, if it is your will, Father, maybe you might even glorify yourself throughout the world, just based upon um, men and women of integrity here. And so, Father, I pray that uh, we would be encouraged by this, that we would um, be strengthened in, in your word and uh, to know exactly how we, we should walk um, in, in front of you. And thank you so much, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ and how his blood perfectly covers all of our past failures, all of our past shortcomings of you by faith in the Lord Jesus himself, that by his death on the cross, his resurrection, that we can have guaranteed um, life with you in eternal life in heaven. And uh, Father, at that point, it'll be perfection of integrity. And Father, your son was the perfect model of integrity on this life. And so Father, there was only one person of perfect integrity, and that was the Lord Jesus. And and so, thank you, Father, for giving us the ultimate perfect example of integrity in your Son. Thank you so much, Father, for your love and for your grace and for your mercy, because we need it. When we think about a subject of integrity, Father, it's so easy for us to think about how short we are compared to you. And our, our, our thought needs to be exalting your grace and your mercy, but also paying attention closely to your word and what you expect of us. Thank you so much, Father, for... Uh, how you've clearly communicated these uh, things to us tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.